Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mind the Gap, Enablix's only podcast seeking sales and marketing alignment. I'm your host, Nick Zeke Lopez, and today I'm fellowed by I'm joined by fellow podcast host Felix Truger. Felix, how's it going? Nick, thank you so much for having me. I am excited to be on the show. I've been listening to the podcast for a while and I've been following Enablix for a while, so I'm very excited to dive into it. Yeah, and I like that you're friendly. I thought this was going to be a bit of a duel, seeing as you have your podcast and you're on ours and you're going to, if you did well enough, you would then just become the host of this one, I thought, is how it works. Uh, I think it's uh, (laughs) called Hostile Takeover. Hostile Takeover. That's actually the name of my new podcast. But uh, no, no, but so for the people uh, that don't know you, Felix, you go by Krug's, I'm assuming. Uh, We haven't talked about that. Um, Tell the people what you do um, uh, and, and, and a little bit about your podcast. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I run a consultancy business here in Sydney, Australia, uh, which is called Fast Forward. And uh, we are specialized in sales enablement. And we essentially work with companies mainly in the B2B tech space, uh, tech and media, broadly speaking, on uh, enabling their sales team to uh, perform on a higher level and uh, to generate uh, more sustainable revenue. And uh, at the same time, I also run my podcast, The State of Sales Enablement, uh, where I interview sales and sales enablement leaders and business leaders from around the world on the topic of sales enablement, uh, different angles, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, their experiences, real world insights, case studies and so on. So uh, I've been doing this for a year or so now, and uh, it's been a blast. And uh, I can understand why you run this podcast. It's uh, it's, there's so much there's so much learning uh, you know that you do when you run a podcast and there's so many interesting people that you meet so uh, yeah and uh, yeah. yeah for anybody who's interested in, really- <laughs> in learning more about sales enablement and uh, you know can't get enough of Nick's podcast I can also highly recommend uh, tuning into mine. <laughs> All right, all right, we keep plugs to the end here, Felix. All right, so uh, no, no. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted like to get said, it in. I, love I wanted to the... get it in early uh, in case you cut me off. So, <laughs> yeah, at the, at the twenty-five minute mark, we just go dark. That's right. Um, uh, uh, no, no. So, so the first thing I want to talk about is is like you mentioned, you have your sales enablement uh, consultancy. Uh, so, first of all, I, I believe that you said you've been doing that for a year now. Uh, why sales enablement now? Uh, can we start there? Yeah, sure. So my business has been running for almost three years now, actually. And uh, I uh, I have a background in sales enablement. And uh, that's why um, the sort of work that we're doing initially in my business, which was uh, at launch, more positioned as a B2B marketing agency, um, the work that we were doing always gravitated towards sales enablement, you know, so we we had mm-hmm. a very strong focus on actually uh, impacting sales in a positive way with the sort of marketing work that we were doing, you know, so it was not the uh, an isolated view on marketing. There was always a view on closely collaborating with the sales team of our clients and eventually uh, this whole work gravitated so was so close to sales enablement that for the last one and a half years or so, essentially 90% of the things that we were doing uh, were sales enablement. And that's why we relaunched now in January as uh, Fast Forward. And uh, we essentially fully focus on sales enablement consulting and uh, creating an impact for our clients' businesses, uh, businesses on that front. 
And so I find that interesting. My my background is in mostly enterprise uh, sales and marketing environments. Um, and, and it's interesting to me, the idea of, can you tell me a little bit about what sales enablement consulting looks like? Uh, you're obviously, you know, you're coming in and, and, and you're learning. Uh, I know a lot of uh, revenue operations and sales enablement, they feel like they, you know, they, you got to be in there. You got to be in there for a long time to really make an impact. Can you tell me what, what the consultative look it looks like? Yeah, sure. So there's, there's essentially two parts to it. Uh, so the number one reason why clients work with us is uh, because they want to accelerate their uh, strategy development because they realize that sales enablement is such a big opportunity for their business. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, case studies and research out there that prove uh, what sort of impacts sales enablement can create for businesses. And a lot of clients uh, realize that if their competitors are investing in sales enablement or are considering investing in sales enablement, there's no time to be wasted. And uh, what we do is we essentially come in and uh, develop a strategy based on a very detailed audit. So we uh, audit all components that inform the strategy. So that includes, uh, you know, interviews with the go-to-market leadership, that includes interviews with the actual sales reps, uh, that includes interviews also with clients. Uh, we observe uh, their whole technology stack and, uh, you know, revenue performance to date. Uh, we look at CRM data and so on. So we essentially uh, paint, uh, attempt with this order to paint a picture that is uh, as close as possible to reality. Yeah, because if you only speak to mm -hmm. one person, uh, you, you get their reality, but you might not get the reality. And right. uh, then we move on to um, doing the actual strategy work. So we, uh, based on that audit, we extract certain insights and uh, more often than not immediately identify opportunities for improvement. Uh, but then we also develop the strategy. And uh, the way that typically looks like is we map the buyer journey as a basis uh, because that's uh, not very often done in organizations, believe it or not. You know? <laughs> and uh, surprisingly, uh, a lot of organizations that consider themselves to be very customer-centric uh, don't actually go through that exercise of mapping the buyer journey. So that's uh, what mm -hmm. we do with them. Uh, we then overlay the sales process, identify... Uh, how the sales team actually supports buyers in making better decisions as fast as possible uh, for their business. And um, again, identify whether there's gaps or not, whether customers could be served better um, through the sales process, and then uh, identify all the different areas that contribute to the sales process and what is needed to set salespeople up for success. And mm -hmm. that then feeds into the, the plan for the execution. So we map out initiatives uh, that then improve uh, certain components uh, of that sales process according to the buyer journey and uh, then roll those things out and support the execution. You know, you, you, you'd mentioned, you said, hey, you, you can look at case studies, you can see how important sales enablement is uh, uh, to a sales team. Why, why is that? Like, like, what is it about sales enablement, especially I think in the last five years that has made it so important? Like why, like, why do you, I, I and listen, we talk a lot about sales, a lot about marketing, uh, so far haven't spoken to a lot of sales enablement leaders. Mm. How, why do you see it as so critical? Sure. So I think, you know, you have to realize that most technology businesses, uh, spend 20%, uh, of their revenues on sales and marketing. And that's a very significant business, uh, investment for a business. Yeah. And 
considering that investment being made, uh, you really want to make sure that you get the biggest return on investment, right? And that's exactly where self enablement mm -hmm. comes in. You know, it essentially uh, protects uh, the investment uh, being made on the sales front for a business and optimizes the performance. Yeah, so that's that's on the macro level. Uh, on a micro level, when, when we look at individual reps and you look at the, the environment a sales rep operates in, we essentially set them up for success. Yeah. So um, if you think about the worst case scenario where no sales enablement is being done, where sales managers are essentially just monitoring revenue performance, passing on spreadsheets, and there's no active effort being done to, uh, to support sales reps, sales reps are pretty much left on their own, you know, like they have to figure it all out. They have to bring their own knowledge from previous jobs into the role and work out their personally best way to sell. Yeah. And um, that's, if you're a good sales rep, uh, that's, that can be a recipe for success, but at the same time, it's not very fair to the individual, right? Um, you want sales reps to be set up for success uh, in a way that you align all components contributing to sales performance in a way that they have the best possible chance to hit their revenue targets. Yeah. And mm -hmm. sales enablement uh, does that across a whole lot of different areas. Uh, so the areas that we would typically look at is uh, the uh, buyer acumen, the sales technology stack, uh, sales content and coaching and training. And all of these components mm -hmm. we combine to empower the sales reps as much as possible to ensure that they hit their personal targets. And then on a larger level that the, the business uh, hits the strategic revenue goals and uh, create an environment where the revenue performance can be achieved in a sustainable way. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about it now because uh, what you what you described is, is basically, like you said, make helping reps to succeed. Uh, but you could like you, you could look at it like that at, at any stage of the business, like CS. Uh, but even going down into product product and engineering, do you see? Um, and maybe it's a bit of both. But I, I don't mean to box you in here. Do you see sales enablement being kind of like the tip of the of the enablement iceberg? Like, are we going to see CS enablement and then like ops enablement and product enablement, or or is it that it's different for reps because they have a revenue number to hit and that makes their job different than everybody else? How do you see that? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we've already moved the conversation from sales enablement to revenue enablement, you know, revenue enablement, yeah. including customer success as well, you know, so essentially uh, aligning all the factors on that front that uh, customers remain uh, engaged with the product, that customers uh, hit their personal strategic goals and remain long-term customers, you know, so that conversation has already happened. I think mm -hmm. the reason why enablement is a function that is currently so close to revenue, uh, you know, like to, to market facing teams is because uh, it is directly correlated to revenue. So companies are very happy to invest in that area. But to your point, in terms of other areas within a business that can benefit from enablement, I, I think uh, this is, as you said, literally the tip of the iceberg, you know, so I think if you think about uh, engineering departments or HR, you know, the, the principles mm -hmm. of enablement, uh, meaning that you set those departments up for success, that you align all the resources within a business to make sure that they can succeed. Uh, I think uh, that that is uh, very beneficial to a business to explore. And I think that's there will be the evolution of uh, sales enablement on the track. But at this stage, well, I think a lot of businesses are still very busy with getting sales enablement right and revenue yeah. enablement right. 
I think uh, we're, we're just at the start of the whole development, uh, but I do agree that it will probably spill into other departments of a business as well. Uh, well, let me, let, well, let's go into that. Um, I, I personally haven't thought about this as much, but, but what you just said kind of, kind of, uh, did it for me. So sales enablement in your mind rolls up to sales or marketing or another, uh, uh department in an organization. Where does it, where should that live? Uh, so it should certainly live in uh, sales. So you have to be as close to your internal customers um, as you can be. You know, the, the mm-hmm. most important customers are obviously your customers, but uh, you know, like <laughs> yeah. but at the same time, unless you're close to sales, uh, you understand what sales reps need, and you have the support from frontline management. Nothing will happen, right? You can't sit in your yeah. office on another floor and uh, only talk to sales on the uh, on the phone or over zoom these days and you know like not not being seen as being being part of the whole setup right so you have to be close to them Uh, but when it comes to other departments sales enablement uh, collaborates with all the other departments within the business you know so uh, if you think about uh, hiring the right staff uh, for the sales team you collaborate closely with hr Uh, when it comes to implementing sales tech and uh, systems that help to create efficiencies customer facing and internally you would in the in those scenarios collaborate with it uh marketing obviously super important from a content point of view um but also in the other direction of actually enabling marketing by passing on information um, about uh, the customers um, and the sort of conversations that you have in market as well you know all mm-hmm. of those um all of those department uh, departments are connected through sales enablement, but uh, the ultimate focus in terms of the output of sales enablement should always be the revenue performance of the sales team. Yeah. Well, I know I like what you said that to be effective sales enablement has to be in the trenches. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it can't, it can't be far away. Uh, other, other thought though is, so like you said, sales enablement, it's helping sales, it's helping marketing. And as you mentioned, revenue enablement, we're going to grow enablement. Does enablement just become a function of HR, like a, like a broad, multi-team, multi-discipline, like, hey, you are responsible for enablement. And and right now it's it's revenue. Do you see that happening or do you see that always being within the teams themselves? I think there are some scenarios <clears throat> where uh, uh, sales enablement uh, sits really close to senior executive leadership, uh, to um, close to the go-to-market strategy. And, um, you know, depending on the size of the organization, um, it would certainly uh, be a function that very closely collaborates with the CEO. You know, in smaller organizations, mm-hmm. the CEO would be the the person developing the go to market strategy, and uh, sometimes even be the sales manager. Uh, you know, having sales reps reporting straight into him. So in those kind of scenarios, it's more of a centralized function that then feeds into the sales team. But in larger organizations, um, I think still the majority of the time it sits within the sales team. Uh, but mm-hmm. um, they, I think down the track, there could also be a scenario where it's a centralized function that reports straight into senior executive leadership, but that then services all parts of the, of the business and essentially uh, mm-hmm. make sure that um, all the factors within the business are aligned to, to generate the strategic outputs that um, the senior leadership has set out for them. So at we it's it's interesting you say that because you know at Enablex something we I believe we have even have a blog one of our better performing blogs is is marketing should own sales content enablement or sales content management 
And, and, and that's, that's the party line, right? That's outside of this podcast. But, but, but the thought being, if sales own sales enablement, how do you know if what's, what's going right or wrong, right? Like can, can enablement to be doing really well and sales be doing poorly? Or on the other hand, if sales is doing well, can enablement be doing poorly? Where do you draw that line? Like, how do you know what's working or not working between sales and sales enablement if they're all kind of near the same team? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the ultimate North Star should always be revenue. And um, I, I think in a lot of organizations, uh, sales enablement kind of grew out of the sales training space. And there's still mm-hmm. a, a very heavy focus on sales training and onboarding, uh, not considering things like uh, sales tech platforms um, or content uh, too much. Yeah, And I think um, in those kind of scenarios, uh, sales enablement is still incentivized mainly on activity. So it comes down to how many training sessions have been run, how many participants have you had, and so on. But if you think about sales enablement in a strategic way, and you sit down with the chief revenue officer of your business at the end of the quarter, and you tell them how many uh, training sessions you have run, uh, you probably won't get any excitement from that person if you tell them uh, all the sales reps have uh, attended uh, the 20 uh, training sessions that we have run. What the chief revenue (laughs) officer ultimately cares about are revenue-related metrics. Yeah? And uh, that is the baseline revenue, of course, you know, the, the absolute revenue figure being brought in, but also revenue-related KPI. So that's things like a win rate, that's uh, metrics like you know, time to first and second revenue for new hires, you know, like how fast um, they actually start generating uh, revenue for the business, that is average deal size, uh, that is revenue comp- composition in terms of what sort of products have been sold uh, to what sort of customers and so on. So um, I think it gets more fragmented beyond revenue, but uh, revenue should always be the North Star for sales enablement. So uh, to answer your question, uh, whether sales enablement can do really well and uh, sales at the, at the same time not do well, I don't think so. So it's mm-hmm. if if revenue is the North Star, both should have the same goal and uh, both should be aligned on that front. You know, that, that there's a good meme out there and you can make it if you want. But yeah, like uh, uh, the second breakfast meme from Lord of the Rings. You see the movie. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we had first revenue. But what about second revenue? That's right. <laughs> like, that's uh, I, li- I like your idea. Time to second revenue there. So uh, so you see the industry from a pretty broad perspective, seeing companies specifically B2B tech, which I think is like most of where a lot of sales enablement or revenue enablement is, is happening right now. Uh, obviously everywhere else, but 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 B2B tech huge. Uh, can you think of common mistakes you see made earlier? You'd mentioned things like, well, yeah, they, they think that they're following like a buyer's journey, but they're actually not starting with the buyer or the customer. Mm. Uh, are, are there other things that you like, 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 it, you know, Felix's hot tips, uh, which is a, another name for the podcast we're going to have. Uh, what, what, what are common mistakes you see people just being made either through ignorance or, or, or not, not know it? Yeah, I think that there's a few things that, that typically come up. I think number one is, uh, you know, bo- attempting to boil the ocean, I think is a big one, you know, so people, people get all excited about sales enablement, you know, like they want to launch that function within the business, but then they try to do too much and they uh, suffer from analysis p- paralysis and they mm-hmm. uh, take, you know, uh, half a year to a year to develop their strategy. But by that time, everything in market has already changed. Their customer behavior has changed. Uh, their 
the sort of issues that you have identified within the sales team have changed and so on. So moving fast on the sales enablement front is crucial to actually capture the moment and um, really make smart uh, strategic decisions that really have an impact on the things that mm -hmm. you do. Uh, the second big mistake uh, that I see is that uh, there are there's no attempt to overcome silos. So uh, especially if sales enablement sits within the sales team um, as an internal function, uh, there's sometimes a dynamic where there's not a lot of collaboration happening with other teams. Uh, so I think good sales enablement um, builds bridges between those other departments and really makes sure that sales benefits from all the resources available across the business to really perform on the highest level. And then I, I guess the third issue that I typically see is the measurement side of things. I touched on it earlier. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest mistake that you can make is measure KPIs that are related to activity. And as we know, activity doesn't pay the bills, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and that's why you know revenue-related KPIs are really important. And it's really important to uh, understand that sales enablement is not solely responsible for revenue, of course. Um, otherwise, they, they would be picking up the phone and calling customers. But uh, sales enablement has a very uh, big role in allowing revenue to happen. And um, I think re revenue-related KPIs should be tracked as early as possible to uh, assess the impact that, um, that sales enablement has for the business. I mean, that's I, I like your the three step plan there. I, I I've been guilty of of number one in the past of being like, all right, we're gonna do we're gonna do sales enablement. We got to do it right. Yeah. And then you wind up a few weeks later, like uh, we've done we've done almost nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. And I think you can you can start very small. You know, the it's that rule. Uh, I, I'm sure there's some sort of technical term for it, but uh, if you want to get started with a task or if you want to complete a task, just do it for five minutes so you get in the swing of things mm -hmm. and you complete it, right? And I think it's the same yeah. with sales enablement. The more you, you can start super small in a structured way and a focused way to really try and make a difference, but the most important thing is that you start uh, to build momentum and uh, to really move things forward. You know, the procrastination yeah. is real and I think... You know, not only individuals, but also businesses as a whole suffer from it. Yeah, I one of my favorite either the quote I always think of is if it's worth doing, it's worth half assing. I mean, like if it's yeah, like obviously you want to do it right, yeah. right? If it's worth doing, it's worth getting it done right. But if it's worth doing, at least do a bad job at first and just start doing it. Yeah. And then you're yeah. gonna do a better job. But you have to start and don't expect perfection, but just start. Exactly. Uh, uh exactly. Uh, and I, I you know, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the Shia LaBeouf uh, YouTube guy soon, uh just say just do it. But but uh <laughs> but if, if so so we started the episode talking about how important sales enablement has been uh, over the last five years, however, the last time horizon we want to talk about looking forward, right? We've seen a few things happen over the last, I'll say two or three years, correct me if I'm wrong. The, the really the, the rise of RevOps as being this really important uh, part of, of sales and sales enablement. Uh, these learning and coaching platforms really taking off and being critical to how people see the success of their sales platforms. As we look ahead, can you think of anything that within sales enablement will I mean, where is it going? Uh, do you have any predictions for the future and and anything in your mind that that will help? You know, we talk about mind the gap. What will help bridge the gap in two, three, four, five years? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the number one thing I would say is, as we touched on earlier, that sales enablement uh, will become enablement, period. 
and it will be a function within a business that's responsible for empowering all the departments and setting departments up for success by aligning all the resources that help them to do a better job. That's number one. I think that's the ultimate future of enablement. I think that will become normal down the track. I don't want to lock myself into a time prediction uh, because if people listening to this uh, in five years' time, they... Uh, they were well, hey, if people are listening to this episode in five years' time, we're doing pretty damn well, Felix. So I'm okay with that. Hey, here you're pretty good in SEO, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. No, but I think that will be the ultimate goal, and I think there will be a time where uh, that is the the standard, and people will think back to today and just shake their heads, uh, thinking, you know. There, there were really businesses out there that weren't enabling their sales staff or anybody else. I think uh, that will pretty much be become the gold standard. I think apart from that, uh, sales enablement as a function within a business will mature. So meaning that best practices will be shared across the whole industry. And uh, the definition of sales enablement that you currently have, which can vary wildly, you know, it can be anything from sales training, um, you know, in some cases, it's, uh, you know, just content creation, or it's just training, or it's just a certain technology tool. Mm -hmm. um, I think the definition of what enablement is, uh, will become much more specific. And the body of knowledge around the things that work and don't work, and possibly also, uh, you know, academic courses for universities uh, will also become available that actually teach what sales enablement is, uh, and um, really become a profession in itself. So, I mean, so that is a bold prediction I'm going to hold you to. So it's February 9th. Uh, we were recording this on February 9th, 2022. You, do you, can I get a firm yes or no on February 9th, 2027? If I set my calendar, will I be able to find a major in sales enablement at a university at that point? Yes. Okay, we've got it. We've got the hard prediction. That's what we needed. I will mark my calendar uh, if I have an app that goes that far into the future. Um, uh, uh, okay, so so I, I really I really appreciate your thoughts on that one. Um, before we go, I want to let you you plug your stuff. Uh, no, no, tell tell the people. Do you have anything going on that you want to point the people to? Yeah, that's right. So. Uh... You can check check our business out um, go uh, at goffwd.com, which is our website. So my business is uh, Fast Forward. We are a sales enablement consultancy that works with uh, sales leaders and uh, sales enablers in technology and media on fast-tracking their strategy development and um, guides the implementation of sales enablement initiatives. So if uh, you know sales enablement is on your radar, you don't necessarily want to invest in a full resource or you want to make uh, things happen quicker for your business, please uh, reach out to us. Um, otherwise, connect with me on LinkedIn as well. So Felix Kruger, you can look me up. I think I'm one of the only ones. There's another one in Germany. <laughs> uh, I'm the one in Australia, so you can find me there. And of course, as I said earlier, so that's the double plug now, Nick, uh, the State of Sales yeah. Enablement podcast. <laughs> Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and all major podcast streaming platforms. Uh, we talk to sales enablement experts around the world about the, test, uh, the topic of sales enablement. So if you're interested in learning more about it, uh, please listen in, subscribe, and rate us on iTunes. 
Well, I didn't expect a plug for uh, some guy named Felix Kruger in Germany. That was the strangest plug I didn't expect. But I'm like, hey, it's it's your time. You I can just, plug whoever. You know, and people I, people might not see me. They might only listen to me. So, uh, they, they can't quite I, quite see who it is. So there's just, there's a lot of catfishing going on out there. Be careful. <laughs> There absolutely is. I uh, uh, no, and and I do want to mention you do also accept uh, uh, inquiries from companies outside of Australia. I assume. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, right. Which that's right. <laughs> yeah, no, the uh, the time difference like, must uh, must yeah, yeah. suck. That's right. No, no. So we we deal with companies, um, uh, you know, pretty much uh, between Australia and Chicago, and between Australia and Dubai. So we are. Uh, dealing internationally, so uh, we're, we're not we're not restricted to Australia. Thanks, thanks for pointing it out. Okay. Nick. Yeah, well, listen, it felt important. It also feels important that you go west from Australia to get to Chicago and east to get to Dubai. Otherwise, you got like seventy percent of the globe that goes uncovered there. But we're we're going to leave that alone. <laughs> That's right. No, no sleep for Felix. Exactly. And when the next uh, the, the next episode, we're actually just going to cover geography. Uh, you and I. Uh, it's going to be geography enablement. Right. No, no. Uh, thank, hey, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate talking to you, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Felix Kruger, the one from Australia. Thank you so much, Nick. This has been Mind the Gap, a podcast about sales and marketing alignment put on by Enablers. My name is Nick Zeke Lopez. Thanks for listening.